Let's, uh, let's talk about the armor of God. The armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 18. Uh, stand with me, and I'm going to read to you from Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore having girded your waist with the truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And Heavenly Father, Lord, in this day, Lord, we see, Lord, such attacks, uh, Lord God, against the truth, against righteousness, Lord, against peace. And Father God, we all need this day to understand the armor of God, how to yield it, how to, Lord, wield it, and how, Lord God, to put it on ourselves every day that we can live as victors, not as victims, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Teach us, Lord God, as we sit at your feet, and, Lord God, may our ears be open to your voice. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So I want to just zero in on two things before we actually get into the armor. In verse 10... It says, you know, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, that, that, that word wiles, W-I-L-E-S, uh, it's basically it's, it's a term that speaks about devious and cunning strategies that are employed, okay, to manipulate, coerce, and persuade someone uh, to do what the person who is doing the coercion uh, wants them to do. So the word here, what it's saying is Satan has strategies to defeat us. He has strategies to destroy us. He, he has strategies to destroy the things, the precious things in our lives, our marriages, our children, our families, our church, our, our bodies. Our, our minds, our, our, our spirits. So the book of Jeremiah, you have the, the verse, Christians, we love to speak, this is Jeremiah 29.10. It says, God has plans to bless you and prosper you and give you a life. Well, Satan has plans to hurt you, to destroy you, and to give you death. So just to, to, to look at this, you know, I don't know how you view life, and I ask this question, you know, here at the church, I ask this question to people in my, my coaching business, that what is life to you? Like, if you were to define life is blank, what is it to you? And I, I view life as a fight. You, you, you fight for what's good. You fight for what's right. You fight for your family. You fight for your marriage. You fight for your children. You know, we fight, we fight for our church. We fight, we fight for our country. And, and I believe that, that it is, life is a fight. It, the, the world is not a playground. I've seen people, they approach the world as a playground. And you, you see them get, get wrecked. They get wrecked. I mean, just when people view life as, hey, it's just one big, it's just one big game, one big playground... And I don't believe that, that the world is a playground. I believe the world is a battleground. And that's, I'll tell you, that is what Jesus said. Not that you can't enjoy, not that you can't have fun, right? Not that there isn't peace, but you get up every day and there is, there is a fight. There are battles to be fought. 
Then in verse, in verse 12 through 13, notice here it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age and the spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. What that's describing is Satan has an army. The Bible talks about Satan and demons. And, you know, just as an army, you have generals and you have majors and you have lieutenants and you have foot soldiers. So Satan has an army. And he's working again to destroy. He's called a murderer in scriptures. He calls, he's called a, Jesus called him a thief and a murderer. So he's got this horde, this army, and therefore, again, it says, therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand an evil day and having done all to stand. But I, noti- I want you to notice the word wrestle. It's the word grapple, to, to struggle. It's a concept of, 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 of fighting. Have you ever grappled? Let me tell you, there ain't nothing harder that I've ever done than grappling. They just, whether it's wrestling, submission wrestling, jiu-jitsu, it, it just, I, don't, I have not done anything harder than that. And I'll tell you, just as somebody who has practiced martial arts, I prefer to stay on my feet than go to the ground. Because on the ground, man, you slam against the ground, you get your head slammed against the ground. I mean, it's just, it's, you grapple, but wrestling, wrestling, right? You wrestle. We wrestle, right, against these principalities. We, we, we struggle against them. We fight. And what did, you know, the Word of God tell us? Fight the good fight. It's a good fight. We, we don't fight according to the way of the world, but, but it is a good fight. So... A couple of key things. Again, using the armor of God. That's what I want to talk to you about today. And there are six different pieces of armament that are mentioned. The helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, feet protected by the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith. I'm going to give you a seventh one, too, because I believe that's prayer. And though it's not mentioned specifically as a piece of the armor, it is in there in the passage. So the first, the first is the belt of truth. So in verse 14, therefore, having girded your waist with the truth. I have, by the way, and through the years when I've taught on this, I have all the armor. I have the armor in my study. And uh, I just didn't feel like this morning putting on the armor and walking around in front of you with 90 pounds on me. But I have all the pieces and the sword and... But here, here's a, a picture. This is the belt, okay? And the belt holds the breastplate in place. And the belt essentially is where the sheath of the sword, okay, is held. So give you a picture here of what truth does. Truth holds our lives together. It holds the pieces of our life together. Believing the truth, holding to the truth, God's truth, standing up for the truth. It is what holds our lives together. You ever see a person who lives a lie? And we see this amongst politicians. You can see it in athletes. You, you can see it in so many, so many different avenues of life. A person just living a lie. And eventually, they're, they're, it's just lie after lie after lie. And what happens when they're found out? What happens when the day of reckoning comes and you know, the people in their lives find out that this person has just, I mean, it's just one total lie. They lose credibility. They lose respect. In fact, everything falls apart. And we've seen that. We've seen that with presidents in our country. We've seen it with congressmen and senators, with governors, um, successful coaches. We've seen it in so many different areas. So essentially the thing is that that, that belt holds everything together. Now, as we go through this and we look at each piece of armament, it's important to see that you will find that each piece of armament is Jesus. Right? Jesus is the truth. So when you look at John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The concept here is he is the embodiment of ultimate truth. He is the fountainhead of truth. When he spoke, he speaks pure, undiluted truth. 
But he is the absolute truth. And the picture here is we need to clothe ourselves with Jesus and with his truth. Not the truth of the world or what they claim is truth or the truth of, of, of the media or the truth of the political realm. Let me just say this to you. Nor the truth that is in a lot of churches. Because what is proclaimed in a lot of churches is not truth. It is Jesus who is the truth. And I say to you all the time here, be a Berean. Everything that comes from this pulpit, and you're going to hear from a number of different preachers as we're going through the summer, some of them from our church. But check everything that's said. Test everything that's said, like the Bereans. Don't, don't sit here and go, oh, well, I just accept what, what Pastor Frank is saying today. Test it. Because we want to make sure it's the truth and that it lines up with the truth of the Bible, with the truth of Jesus. Second, the breastplate of righteousness. So in verse 10, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, I want to, I want to say this to you. To live a righteous life, first you have to know what's right. And then you have to have the fortitude, essentially the courage, to do what's right. And then you need to have the will to actually then put it into practice. So it, it, you need to know what's right, you need to have the courage to do what's right, and then you need to have the will to do what's right. So here the breastplate of righteousness, and there's a picture of the breastplate. What is the major thing that the breastplate protects? The one thing, right? And you don't, you don't want to get stabbed in the heart or shot in the You're done. And you know, in battle, there's a lot of other places that you could get shot and stuck, right? And stab and still fight. But you take it, you take it in the heart, right? Here's a, a picture. Those are the, the key vital areas, the head, okay, and the heart. You get, you get, again, attacked there with a knife or with a gun. You're dead. You're dead. You're dead in, you're dead in 15 seconds. You're going to bleed out and you're going to die. So to take that and to put it into the spiritual, okay, and that's what Paul, Paul here, he's, he's very aware. He's got great knowledge. He's watched, he's watched the Roman armies. He's a Roman. I don't know if you realize that. Paul was a Roman citizen. So he's giving a description here of the armor, but... In the spiritual life, we are to guard our heart, talking about that spiritual part of us. Look what it says in, in Proverbs chapter 4.23. This is the Berean translation. Guard your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the springs of life. The issues of life flow from our hearts. What are the, the issues of life? Your, your thoughts, your words, your actions, your behaviors, your attitudes, your habits, your successes, and your failures flow from our heart. And what is the heart? The heart is the, heart is the place of the, your, your deepest desires. It's the place of your, your, your core values, of your, of your deepest beliefs. And it says here, we are to guard our hearts with all diligence. Guard it from the things that come at you outwardly. Temptations, lies, deception, negative influencers. And then also guard what's precious within. You guard that, that relationship that you have with the Lord. Guard your peace that he's given you. Guard that joy that he's given you. So 1 Corinthians chapter 130 again. Jesus is our righteousness. So it tells us, but by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. He is our righteousness. In the Bible, I'm going to give you two big theological terms. Imputed righteousness, imparted righteousness. When you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior into your life. God imputes to you his righteousness. He takes your sin, which he took upon himself on the cross, and then he imputes to you, he gives you his righteousness. And that's why we, we, we are saved essentially by grace. So the way God looks at us, he looks at us essentially through the righteousness of Jesus, even though we have fallen short of the glory of God as sinners. 
That's called imputed righteousness. That, that's the, let me tell you, that's the best offer anyone has ever made to me. That was an offer I could not refuse. Remember the Godfather? An offer I could, that was an offer I could not refuse. That was the best offer anybody has ever made to me. That I could have all my sins forgiven based upon what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. That's imputed righteousness. Then there is what is called imparted righteousness. And he imparts to us, he gives to us a new heart. He gives to us his spirit. He, give, he gives to us a spirit that, that essentially his spirit that can motivate us and compel us to know what's right, to have the courage to do what's right, and then to actually will and do what's right. And we can live different lives. And if, you know, if you, look, if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for any amount of time, I'm very different than what I was before I accepted Jesus. I ex- experienced a change. There was a transformation that occurred when I accepted Jesus. That's the imparted righteousness of the Lord. But he is our righteousness. All right, number three. The shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. So in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now I want you to, I want you to notice this. See the word preparation? The word here is to be prepared. The shoes of the gospel of peace, they, they, they prepare us for battle as compared to, right, getting caught off guard, getting blindsided, getting ambushed, right? Satan is ever in the process of setting traps and basically setting footholds for us. And I want to take you through, I don't know, some of you here, you've had military experience, you're in law enforcement. I don't know if you've heard of Colonel Cooper's situation awareness chart. So Colonel Cooper was a was an instructor, a great great military instructor. But if you look here, he had a, a color code, four different codes for situational awareness. Now, the white is you aren't paying attention to anything. So I was driving down the road, and this happens to me. This happens in my neighborhood all the time. I was driving around the road on Friday. And there was a woman in the middle of the road, this is a side street, but she's in the middle of the road talking on her cell phone. And I had to slow, I mean, I'm just, I had to slow down. I didn't want to hit the horn and, and, and startle her. But she was on the phone until I was just a few feet, I was a few feet from her, totally unaware that, I mean, just, I'm looking, you know the way kids drive? You know the way kids drive? You get a teenage kid who just got their license. I mean, this woman's, this woman's, I mean, she's, she's roadkill. It's like, it's, it's nuts. But that's a person, you're, you know, you're not paying attention to anything going on around you. Now, you know the story of Gideon? Gideon had 30,000 and 20,000 of them didn't want to fight, and then there were 10,000 that were still in the game, and he brings them down to uh, this, this lake, and he says, go ahead, get a drink. And... 9,700 of them drank with their heads down. And 300 of them, they brought the water up by their hand. So 9,700 of them drank like dogs. You know, they just put their head down. I don't know what's going on around them. And then God said to Gideon, the 300 are the ones I want you to take. They're warriors. Why? Because warriors are always situa- they're situationally aware to what's going on around them. And uh, Gideon, right, he took those 300 and then defeated the Midianites with them. But that's, that's the idea of situational awareness. You have an awareness of what's going on around you. Now, the, the, the yellow, you are actively paying attention to your surroundings. You're aware of what's going on. You're aware of the people moving in and out, okay, of, you know, your, your circumference of, you know, of existence. You have, a, you have an awareness of what's happening. People coming, people going. Same thing in the spiritual life. You're spiritually aware of the things that are going on around you and the people that are moving in and out around you. The orange, you suspect that something isn't right and you're ready to react. Something is wrong, right? You're, maybe, maybe, I'll give you this, in your spiritual life, suddenly you're aware of someone, right? They're not right. 
you're seeing there's, there, there are things that are, there are things that are not right about them. This would be one of your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's somebody in the church, somebody in your family. And you're looking and saying, they're doing things that are really kind of out of the norm, things that are strange. It seems like they're, they're kind of like hiding something. And you become situationally aware to what is going on. Right? What's happening? Satan, his wiles. He's got his schemes. He's got his strategies. There's something going on in that person's life. Again, this could be somebody in the church, somebody in your family, somebody that you work with. And then the red is you are actively responding to the situation. So now this is like danger, danger. And now you become proactive. Now that could be you're moving away or you're moving towards, depending on the situation. In the spiritual life, I'll tell you, when you come into the red, one of the key things is you're moving to your knees. Now you're, you know, you're, you're coming to your knees in prayer. You realize there's, some, there's something going on here. This is, now, this is a spiritual battle. And it could be coming against you. It could be coming against somebody in your life. It could be coming against somebody in the church. They're in danger, and the devil's going to take them out. I've seen the devil take out lots of people. In fact, I've taken them out in coffins out of this church. I've put them in the ground. How the devil can get control of somebody through alcohol or through drugs, through some type of addiction, through pornography, and you just destroy the person. How, how he'll destroy a family. Now it's like it, it, it's danger time. And as a Christian, as a pastor, man, that's where God just put that person on my heart and I'm praying for them all the time. I'm walking, I'm walking through, and I'm praying for them. We told you about a sister whose second child just died. We didn't even know. She's been gone for the last six weeks. She was down with her family in the Carolinas. She was coming here, you know, regularly. And I just, as soon as I heard this yesterday, that's been on my heart. Heard of someone, someone very close to me who could be very ill. And as soon as I heard it, it's in my heart. Now, now, I'm in the red now. I'm in the red. And I'm on my knees and I'm praying and I'm calling out to God and I'm asking God to just, just heal and show mercy and show compassion. But that, that puts, you, puts you there. So that's, that's, again, that's being prepared. Being prepared. The gospel of the preparation of peace. Now, the actual shoes that the Romans wore, notice they had spikes. They had cleats underneath them and those spikes and those cleats that was to keep them that was to keep them grounded okay and really put them in a place where they're balanced and they're rooted and basically they're they're prepared to defend they're prepared to strike in colossians 2 6 and 7 as you therefore have received christ jesus as lord so walk in him rooted rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Ephesians chapter 2, 13 and 14, right? Jesus is our peace. It says, for he himself is our peace. And when we get, we get rooted and grounded in him, we will be unmovable. And we will be prepared to be able to stand firm at, at any attack that, that comes. I want to say this to you. I've been a Christian for 40 years. 40 years. And, and I have never doubted Jesus. In 40 years. I've doubted you. I've doubted me. I've doubted people. Doubted the world. But I have never doubted Jesus. I believe I had some really good teaching early on that got me rooted in his peace, in him. And uh, when the crap hits the fan, and it has many times in my life in the church, I have to say, I've been able to stand. I've been able to stand because I've been rooted. All right, number four, shield of faith. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The Roman shield is called a, a scutum, and it, it basically covered their entire bodies. It was huge. In fact, the, the Romans in, in battle, what they would do is they would create a shield wall and actually cover them, uh, their heads as well as they would march forward toward, uh, towards the enemy. 
By the way, that's a, that's a great and important picture there because we don't fight our battles by ourselves. Try fighting your battles by yourself. You know the lone Christian? Watch what happens to them. We need to fight our battles together. We need to fight our battles in fellowship. You need to have, you need to have some core group Christian people that you can meet with, that you can talk with, that you can pray with. It's absolutely necessary for victory. So the purpose, again, of the shield was to put out the fiery darts, the flaming arrows. And Satan, Satan's ever firing those darts at us, right? Through people, through the media, <laughs> through the political realm. Just firing those darts at our, at our minds, firing them at our hearts. It's deception, it's temptation, it's, it's fiery darts of compromise. And when we, we have that shield in place, right, we can extinguish those fiery darts and not end up going to a place of frustration, of discouragement. See, a lot of people, right, they're victim. Everybody's a victim today. This is, I'm so sick of it. I'm so sick of hearing about every... And you know it's something that you see now? You know who they're trying to victimize? Christian men. If you're a Christian... And you, at first it was Christian white men. Now it's all Christian men. They've just said, Christian men are the cause of all the world's problems. Just as they're trying to make us into a victim. And I refuse to be a victim. I refuse to live like a crybaby. Like everybody, everybody, oh, they're doing this to me. Oh, they're doing this. Give me a break. I refuse to be a victim. But that's what they'll they'll try to turn you into a, a whiny, complaining, lazy victim instead of being a victor. And we are called to be victors in Christ. Paul said in Romans 8, I'm more than a conqueror, more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ my Lord. But what the, 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 these, these darts, the purpose of them is to distract you. The purpose of them is to distract you from the mission, to distract you from the purpose, to distract you from Jesus. Now, I've studied the armor of God for many, many years. And um, as, I show, as I'll show you completely as you come to the end, Jesus is our peace. Get grounded in Jesus, you'll have a peace that transcends all understanding. Jesus is our righteousness. And you get grounded in Jesus, and you're going to find that you're going to experience that righteousness in your life. Jesus is our truth. But Jesus is our faith. So when I came to this, I was like, well, where and how is Jesus our faith? And I want to share with you from Galatians 2.20. You've got to pay attention to this. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is uh, no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. He lives in us, right? Paul's saying here, Jesus lives in us. He comes and makes his home in us. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by... Now, notice in the Greek, it says the faith. But your Bibles, they, they eliminate the, and they do that for grammatical reasons, the translators. But it is, I live by the faith, and it says in the Son of God. It's actually of the Son of God. And again, in translating Greek or translating Hebrew into English, they're, they're meeting the grammatical, the grammatical order necessary for it to, to read, okay, according to the English language. That's why they, they translate it that way. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And if you look at the red at the bottom, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I live by his, he lives in me and I live by his faith. What did Jesus believe? Just look at what Jesus believed. As a Christian, I believe what Jesus believed. It doesn't matter what anybody's telling me. It doesn't matter what the media is telling me. It doesn't matter what some, what some wackadoo church person is telling me, I believe what Jesus believed about God, about the Trinity, about salvation by faith through grace and not of works. I I believe what Jesus believed about heaven, about hell, about... Pastor, do you believe in hell? Yes, I do, because Jesus believed in hell. Do you believe in the second coming? Yes, of course I do, because Jesus believed in the second coming. I want to make this simple for you. That's Christianity 101, made simple. 
I, I, don't have, I don't have to conjure up or work up some type of faith. I just simply believe what Jesus believed. So when the devil comes and he starts firing his, his fiery arrows at me, right, his lies or his deception, all I do is I just pick up the shield of faith. And that's, that's again, that's the faith of Jesus. Makes it simple. Isn't that, isn't that good? Took me a while to understand it. Isn't that good? I just take up the shield of faith. That's it. All right, number five, the helmet of salvation. And take up the helmet of salvation, Ephesians chapter 6, 17. What does that do? It protects our brains. It protects our central computer, our command and control center. And we need to protect that, right? There's a battle going on for your minds, folk, every day, like never before. Satan's got this thing on steroids right now. I mean, you talk about, you talk about lies. All right, well, listen, now, that, now they came out. What was the thing this week? Ladies, you're no longer a mother. You're a birthing parent. As far as I know, since civilization, right? Since civilization, go back 5,000 years, you've been called mothers. You're a mother. You're a mother. You're a mother. I have a mother. But no, now you're not mothers. You're birthing parents. This world is, I mean, these, these people, they're so open-minded that their brains fell out 20 years ago and they can't find them. We need to protect our minds. There's the little kids in kindergarten. You're not a boy. You're not a girl. But we're going to give you 470 different options that you could pick to explore as to what your sexuality is. I mean, talk about this is, this, this is weird. This is strange. This is evil. It's corrupt. And they're teaching it to kids in kindergarten. We need to protect our minds. We need to protect their little minds. We need to teach them the difference, right, between good and evil. That's what the helmet, the helmet does. It, it, it protects us against deception. Proverbs chapter 3, uh, 23, 7 in the King James Version says, For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our thoughts flow Right? Our words flow from our heart. Our actions flow from our, our hearts. So Philippians 4.8 tells us, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on such things. We focus on the things that are true, that are excellent, that are good. Guard our minds. Let me tell you, that, that could make all the difference in your life. There's a, there's a little book by a guy named James Allen. Wrote it about 150 years ago. It's called As a Man Thinketh. It's a tiny little book, seven chapters. You got a problem with the way your thoughts are going? You have a lot of negative thoughts? In fact, they tell us 85% of the average person's thinking is either negative or aimless. And you start looking at yourself and what's going on in your mind. I find that highly successful people, whether, no matter what field they're in, they have an ability to be laser, laser beam focused in their mind on what they're focused on. But 85% just aimless or negative. So the, the, the idea is, James Allen in his book talks about how our thoughts affect every aspect of our life. They, expect, they, they affect our spiritual uh, part of our life, but they affect our relationships. They affect our career. They affect our finances. They affect our health. It's a great little book. You know, I tell people to get the book. It's not, it's not an, an overly spiritual book, kind of very practical but get the book. There's seven chapters. Read one chapter a day. You could read it on the pot. It's, like, it's, it's a good pot book. You know, you know I'm talking about the pot, the toilet. Not, not pot. By the way, let me tell you something about pot. Uh, right now, when I was a kid growing up, there was 4% PCP in a marijuana cigarette. It's now 97%. And these people are getting rushed to the hospital and dying smoking a, a joint. And it's being sold now in the stores that are supposedly legal. So um, I just thought I would share that with you, but I found that, right? You take a pill now and all this crap coming up over the border, it's killed over 100,000 people in just the last year. 
And now they're telling us that the marijuana is so laced with PCP that kids are, kids are going into these, they're having these crazy reactions and they're dying from it. So just, just really crazy. No, the, the part I'm talking about, you could read James Allen in a matter of about 10 minutes. It's three or four page chapters. There's seven chapters. You read one chapter a day. For at the end of the week, you'll have completed the book. I want to encourage you. You got a problem with your thought life? Stay in the book for at least a month so you'll read it at least four times and see what kind of a difference it makes in your life. It made a huge difference in my life. All of a sudden, I'm looking going, geez, my thoughts are really affecting my ministry. They're really affecting my career. They're really affecting my marriage. They're really affecting my relationships. They're really affecting my health. And I said, wow, that was kind of profound. And, and I go back every year, and I read through that book. A few books that I do that with, that book made a huge impression on me. But for, as a man thinketh, so is he. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, 5, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's where we really engage in spiritual warfare. We take those thoughts. Don't let them run wild. Because they, they grow. They, they, you know, they literally evolve in us. Metastasize in us. And you've got to take them and you've got you to capture them and make them captive. Present them to Jesus. Is this something... That, again, is according to the truth. Great little uh, poem. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Isn't it amazing how it can all begin just with some right thinking, some right thoughts? So Jesus, again, Jesus is our helmet of salvation. He is the author of eternal salvation. And when we have, again, him in our lives and we've clothed ourselves with him, it's him, right? And that power he gives us, that's protecting us and protecting our minds. All right, number six, the sword of the spirit. Ephesians 6, 17, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The Roman sword, you get a picture of it there. It's a two-edged sword. And again, what do we see? Jesus is the word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He is the sword of the Spirit. You know what I've been doing with you for the last 30 minutes? I've been yielding the sword of the Spirit. I've been yielding the sword of the Spirit. When you share the Word with someone, when you pray on the word, meditate on the word, study the word, memorize the word, you're yielding the sword of the spirit. When the devil comes and tempts you, as Jesus did, and you use the word of God, he flees. Turn these stones into bread. What did Jesus say? He quoted scripture. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. But that's the yielding. That's the yielding of the sword. Last, praying in the Spirit. So in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Praying in the Spirit. What praying in the Spirit does, it, it, it energizes us. It empowers us. It, gives us. it gives us inner strength. Could you imagine you have somebody with the armor of God on? Okay, and again, the armor that I have is about 90 pounds of armor. I mean, I got the breastplate, I got the shield. The shield's like 20 pounds by itself. I got the sword, I got the helmet, I got the belt, putting it all together. I even, at one point, I even made, I even made the shoes with the spikes. They got mad at me when I ran through the church. I was putting, I tore up the carpet. <laughs> so, the armor, right, it's heavy. And... If you don't have the inner strength to be able to bear the armor, to yield the armor, right, to wield the armor, right, you're not going to be able to use it. And that's where prayer, prayer is that, that inner strength. It's the inner power that enables us to be able to, to yield the armor. You can know the Bible. And if you don't have that inner spirit, that inner strength, you're not going to be able to use the Bible. I'm going to say this to you. Look, at this point in my life, 
I've been studying this book every day for hours, for 40 years. But without prayer, this is useless. Without getting empowered by the Spirit, you know, when putting together, I spend I don't know, 15 to 18 hours, okay, right now, I'm putting messages together for Sunday morning. But half of that time is just praying, praying through the message that it will pierce into your hearts, that it will get into your heads, that it won't just be, you know, hey, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, yada, yada, yada. And I said, it, you know, the message goes out, and it's like, it's some, you know, people, they're, if you're not in tune, and I'm not in tune, the word goes out, and it's just ricocheting off your brain. It's like, pew, 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 pew. Right? It's just ricocheting off people's minds. But when, I, when, when a preacher, okay, is really seeking the anointing of God, and he's seeking that, that power, then, then he'll be in a place where he could, again, he could yield the armor, wield the armor, right? He, he can then use the sword of the Spirit to be able to minister to people. So just, again, prayer in the Spirit energizes us. Prayer in the Spirit gives us, gives us power to be able to do what the Lord would have us do. Prayer is powerful. And I'll tell you, tell you a story. I heard this uh, a few months ago. In Indonesia, there was a, a, an MMA fighter he was like a, a champion, probably a Muay Thai fighter from Indonesia, right? Muay Thai big. And, and um, he was like the champion. And he came to Christ. He gave his life to Christ. And he became a pastor. Now, there was a witch doctor in the town who was basically kept coming at him, wanting to kill him and attack him. So the, the MMA fighter, I mean, he, he, guy, man, the guy's deadly, right? He's deadly with his feet, deadly with his hands. And the story goes that this witch doctor approached him in the streets and was like, like I mean, probably demon-possessed, ready to kill him. And he thought about fighting him, and instead he prayed. And the story goes that the witch doctor dropped dead in front of him and in front of the town and the community. Now, I heard that story and I read that story. I think it was on the site of the 700 Club, that they actually featured this guy. I just kind of check it out. And I, I believe it's true. And I believe, of course, that, that you know, that's something God could do. But instead of, again, instead of using his martial arts skills, he prayed. And he defeated the enemy. And I'll tell you, there's, there's, again, there's power in prayer. It gives us the power. So here's our, here's our, our final key application. Again, all the different pieces of armor... Helmet of salvation, belt of truth, sword of the spirit, the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, and prayer. Now simplify this. I want to make this really simple for you. Romans 13, 14. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the armor of God. He is our belt of truth, our breastplate of righteousness our helmet of salvation. He is our shield of faith. He is our sword of the Spirit. And He is the one who infuses us with power when we pray. Clothe yourself with Jesus. Because we're living in... These are... These are I mean, I, man, I don't know. Been here for 60 years. This is a crazy world. This is a really crazy world. And you deal, you know, you come and deal with some of the stuff that I deal with as just a pastor. It's, it's crazy stuff going on. And it's sad. And I see the, you know, I see people, their, their lives are being attacked. The things that are, I mean, so, the things, what are the things so precious to us? Our children, our, our spouse, right, our careers, our homes, our lives, our church. And you see again the wiles of the devil scheming and coming. We need to have strength to wrestle. And we need to have that clothing, that armor that Jesus offers to us. When he comes to attack us, he comes to tempt us, let Jesus answer the door. Right? Let him be again your armor. 
and he'll give you victory. Amen? Amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord God, for your word. We thank you, Lord God, for the armor of God. Lord, make us diligent. And Lord God, just clothing ourselves with it each day, clothing ourselves with you, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, for victory, for victory in our lives. I pray, Lord God, that you would keep, Lord, keep every child, every marriage, every family in this church, Lord God, protected and shielded, Lord God, in a place of peace, Lord, in the righteousness of the Lord and in his truth. And Lord God, bless them. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. You can stand. God bless you all. Pastor Frank. Thank you, Lord, for your word. How precious. What great truths we've learned today. I hope you uh, take your notes and have taken notes and go back and review them. Make believe you're in school and you're going to get quizzed. <laughs> because that's uh, what will happen in life. Once you walk out this door, even before you walk out the door, you're going to be challenged in different ways. So be prepared. Um, the altars are open for you too, just in case you're wondering. You are worthy. 